Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. For any conservative leader, uh, there was a lot of fertile ground right now, given public dissatisfaction with the liberals, uh, the policy files that uh, varying policy files that really seem to be a mess at the moment. The big picture issue, pocketbook issues, you know, the economy, inflation, jobs, travel, passports, as Pierre Pauly have alluded to, foreign policy, running down the list. It, it does feel like a government that's been spinning its tires through the summer, a government that kind of felt like it had almost checked out. So, yes, there is dissatisfaction. And, yes, it's an opportunity here uh, for the conservatives to articulate that, to speak to Canadians, to address those concerns. Pierre Polyev, though, obviously represents a, a different kind of approach from a conservative leader, differs maybe not necessarily in significant policy ways from his two predecessors or even his three predecessors, but does bring a different style, a different tone and one that seems designed for the moment. He's obviously tapped into something and it wasn't just the big victory it was the massive crowds right across the country that suggest, you know, there's something here. There's something here that the liberals should pay close attention to or at least ignore at their peril. So joining us to talk about what this victory represents for the Conservative Party, for conservatism, for politics in this country. Very pleased to welcome to the program Brian Lilly, political columnist with the Toronto Sun, torontosun.com. Brian, first of all, I want to get your thoughts on just what a big victory it was. I know this this race at times felt like a coronation, but I don't know. Were you still surprised by the, the numbers we saw last night? I'm surprised that it got to 68% and just a little bit over? Absolutely, yeah. Um, it was uh, bigger than even his campaign had been predicting, actually. So, you know, a major victory for him. Um, if you remember a few weeks ago, the uh, Charest campaign had said, well, we have a path for victory, and here it is, and they released it. Um, it was leaked out to folks in the media, like me. And I, I looked at it, and for Charest to win, he had to win 75% of the points in Quebec, 50% in Ontario. Um, in the end, uh, probably have won 330 ridings, only losing two in Ontario, yeah. including Ottawa Centre, and he lost six ridings in Quebec. So obviously, the path to uh, victory for Jean Charest, who was the you know, second close, 16%, uh, was much narrower than he thought. Well, it's the thing. I mean, this wasn't some strategy, you know, that, that Pierre Pauly have managed to weave together victory here. I mean, you know, this was just an outright win, one, uh, you know, in all parts of the country, one with uh, all factions within the party. You know, so, you know, for all intents and purposes, I mean, you know, th this is his party. That's that's quite a mandate. Yeah. Look, when Andrew Scheer won as the second leader of the modern conservative party after Stephen Harper, he won on the 13th ballot, I believe. And it was a very narrow victory over Maxime Bernier. Bernier had been ahead all the way through, and Scheer just went through and picked up second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, you know, ballot support from all the people that were dropping off. And he increased more than, um, more than uh, Bernier did when O'Toole won. He, you know, Peter McKay was out in front at one point, and, uh, you know, O'Toole won by cobbling together again. Second ballot support from Leslie Lewis from uh, convincing people he was the, the true blue conservative. There was a lot of strategy. This was the strategy was uh, win at all costs and, and beat them handily. And he did. 
It's interesting. It seems like, you know, the politician seemed to match the moment. So I think Pierre Polyev had ran in the last leadership race or even the one before that. He might have been much the same kind of candidate, maybe would have would have done well. But it just felt like this was his moment. And the enthusiasm we saw, the crowds he was drawing across the country, not something we often see in Canadian politics. What do you attribute that to? What's going on here? I, I think that uh, that there, you know, as you said, we've got a government that doesn't work. We've got a government that can't run the passport office. They're still long-minded. I ran into a, a, a Toronto liberal the other day who was complaining to me about the fact that this government can't work, that they had been going by a, uh, a Service Canada office on College Street, and that it, the lineup was just huge going down the street. That's for basic services. Um, we've got the airport problem. You know, CNN did a uh, analyze the data for the entire summer. It's not just Pearson, because Pearson was the worst airport in the world for delays over the entirety of the summer, ending at Labor Day. Montreal was second. Vancouver was 10th. We get three in the top 10 globally, and the government wants to claim it, you know, their service or their policies have nothing to do with this. We know that's not the case. Immigration. Right now, we have a shortage of skilled tradespeople. It is, if you're a plumber that wants to immigrate to Canada, it is a four-year processing time for your application. If you've got opportunities, and right now the U.S. has a shortage of skilled traits as well, if you can get into the U.S., you're going to the U.S. because we will take four years just to put your application through. The government can't run basic services. There is a frustration that is a result of the pandemic. Um, we do have a prime minister who went from sunny ways to demagoguery very quickly and has only gotten worse. And so, yeah, there, there's a, a frustration, not with everybody, obviously. Trudeau has his core base of support, but with an awful lot of Canadians, yeah, they're frustrated. But it does feel like Pierre has has tapped into that better than maybe his predecessor did, uh, you know, in, in terms of understanding, I guess, the concerns of everyday Canadians or or at least, you know, positioning himself as somebody who, who can do something about it. So, like I said, I, I, in the introduction, I think there's fertile ground for regardless of who the conservative leader is at the moment. But, uh, you know, there is something unique about the enthusiasm amongst conservatives, certainly for Pierre Paglia. Yeah. Now, I, I, I would caution we've got to wait and see how things go, because the latest opinion polls, be it from Abacus or Leger or any of the, mm-hmm. the major firms, show that, mm, the Conservatives and the Liberals are both kind of tied, and they're both in that same area that we've seen them in over the last two elections, both in the low 30s. And you know, one poll, it'll be the Conservatives are up by one or two. The next poll is the Liberals that are up by one or two. Nobody's really uh, taking off. So we'll see what happens when, uh, you know, once Polyev introduces himself, or he better hope this doesn't happen, the Liberals introduce him to Canadians. Yeah. Um, to see if they, you know, does he start to put some distance? Is there a growth? Right now, this is both an asset and a liability for Pierre Polyev, is that um, when Ipsos went out there, and I was talking with Daryl Bricker, the CEO of Ipsos, about this, uh, they said, you have a favorable or unfavorable view of Pierre Polyev. And right now we know that the, the PM's unfavorables are at the highest or close to the highest they've been his entire time in public life. Well, have only had, among conservatives, 50 57% said, we have a favorable view of this guy. We like this guy. Um, 
amongst the general public, which includes con- you know people who say they will vote conservative and everyone else, that shrinks to just 23% have a favorable view, 35% unfavorable, but 42% say they don't know enough about them to make a judgment call. So that's both an asset and a liability. If he defines himself first, and Canadians get to see the man who was on the stage last night, who was gracious, who was warm, uh, showing humanity, both to his opposition, but talking about his family. We're a complicated, messy bunch, he said. Um, If he gets to do that and and show warmth while talking about the economic and and basic issues that Canadians care about, then I, I think you will start to see that that gap between the Conservatives and the Liberals, and he'll go up in support. Well, on the other hand, if the Liberals get out there and, and paint them as the devil incarnate, which is likely their plan, then he's going to face a real uphill battle. Oh, sure, yeah. I think it's going to be a lot of elbows up politics between now and in the next election, whenever that is. But yeah, as to the question of where the Conservatives can grow here, and maybe the old conventional wisdom was, okay, you win the, the leadership, you sort of pivot to the middle, and you try to fight for those centrist voters, fight with the Liberals for those. It, it seems to me like Pierre Polyev doesn't necessarily buy into that. Maybe there's something to be said for reaching out to people who maybe typically don't vote, people who feel as though you know there's no point in voting, that they've been apathetic about voting, they feel like they haven't been been represented by you know, politics as usual in this country. Is, is that his strategy, or where, where do you see the, the potential here for the party to grow? Well, if he's smart, yeah, he keeps reaching out to people who have been disinterested or disaffected, not involved in politics. Um, there's tremendous room for growth there, because on a good year, only about, what, 60% of us vote in a federal election? Um, but he also does have to remember that among those 60%, there were a bunch of people who voted for the Conservatives in 06, in 08, and especially in 2011 when they got their majority under Stephen Harper, who switched over to Justin Trudeau and the Liberals for the last couple of elections, or at least in 2015. And he's got to win those back. Now, look, I, there's two things that I've disagreed with the Conservatives over the last bunch of election cycles. One, fixation on Quebec. You know, they're going to win about 10 seats in Quebec. Don't believe the hype when you start hearing whispers that they're going to win 20, 25 seats in Quebec. It's not going to happen. So, you know, appeal to Quebec voters by just saying, we'll leave you alone. You know, we're not going to get involved in provincial jurisdiction. And by the way, that applies to Alberta, that applies to Manitoba, that applies to Ontario. Worked well with Stephen Harper. Um, But the other thing is that to win over suburban voters in the Toronto area or the lower mainland, they have to become liberal light. I don't agree with that. What you do have to do is speak to them about the issues that matter in a way that shows that you understand their frustrations and you've got a solution. I don't think that Aaron O'Toole and and um, Andrew Shear before him were able to do that, and thus they didn't increase in the 905. You don't have to become a liberal to win in the 905. I, I wouldn't say Doug Ford's uh, a liberal. Um, his opponents portrayed him as um, the devil incarnate. And he won half of the seats inside Toronto. Um, they don't even have to win inside Toronto. They just have to be able to take the suburbs, the, you know, which is the biggest population center in the country. They have to be able to take some of those seats or they don't win. But, you know, talk to, you're talking new immigrant families, talk to them about getting ahead, which Pierre's doing, getting ahead, you know, being able to follow your dream. Why did you come here? Are you able to work in your profession? Are your kids getting uh, you know, the opportunity that you moved here for. 
those things will resonate. Let me just ask, Brian, what, what you're hearing or, or what you think is, you know, the likely scenario in terms of Justin Trudeau sticking around in terms of the next election. I mean, you know, the rumors and speculation run the gamut, right, from a fall election, election in 2025, Justin Trudeau resigning, Christia Freeland going off to NATO, somebody else leading the party. What's your sense? Uh, I, I, I've heard consistent rumors that Christia Freeland actually doesn't want the, the job anymore. Uh, I don't think she's going to leave for the NATO gig. I think that ship has sailed. Uh, but she could be looking for a private sector exit. Um, you know, there are others that have leadership ambitions. Um, Melanie Jolie, Francois-Philippe Champagne, or Frankie Bubbles, as they call them, uh, Anita Anand. There, there are others. Um, but my my sense has always been that Trudeau relishes the idea of going up against Pierre Polyev. And so I think that victory last night means that he's going to stick around, that he's going to, you know, battle it out, whether it is this fall, uh, which is always a possibility. It's a minority government. You know, yeah, they got an agreement that's not written in stone. Uh, And even if it was, he'd smash the tablets off of uh, the side of the mountain if he had to. So, yeah, it could be this fall. It, it could go three years, but I think that uh, this is a fight that Trudeau wants. I, I think it's a fight both he and Polyev relish the idea of going at each other. Uh, but as I wrote in a column that just went live at the, the torontosun.com, uh, we all know that Polyev can be an effective thorn in, in Trudeau's side in, in the House of Commons. We know he can ask the zingers and, and really get under Trudeau's skin. And that's great. But that gets you the job of leader of His Majesty's loyal opposition. That's the job he has now. By the way, last time a guy had that was 70 years ago, and it was the MP for Carleton, Pierce Riding. No, My no name's Drew. Yeah, conservative wow. MP from Carleton was the last person to be called that in the House of Commons. Um, but if he wants to become prime minister, he's got to show that warm guy that was there last night. That's the Pierre Falliev that I've known for the last 18 years. Um, I, I covered him from his very first campaign in 04. Uh, he was effectively my local MP because I lived on the border of his riding, but you know everything I was doing was in his. So I've known him, I've seen him, I've covered him. That's the guy that has to show up and, and, and campaign to Canadians and say, you know, that guy says I got your back. I'll have them. And here's what I'm going to do. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.